Instead, God gives Job a balcony view of creation, but also the cosmos, showing Job how everything in the universe is intricately connected together by God. But the whirlwind also leaves Job with a dilemma. How will he respond to this balcony experience? Essentially, it ends with God asking Job what scheme of moral order does he prefer, saying, are you sure you want to replace my all-powerful divine sense of justice with yours? Our reading this morning is, uh, begins at least with Job's response and also his final words in the book. And as you'll see, they're vital to how we understand the whole story in 41 chapters preceding it. If you look in your bulletin, you'll see the verses 10 through 17 listed, but we'll actually finish our reading with verses 7 through 9. As so often happens, the world is a different place on Sunday morning than it was on Thursday when we printed the bulletins. This morning, our nation is mourning and grieving the horrific and hateful events of the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh yesterday. But there was also another uh, uh, racially charged shooting in, in, uh, outside of Louisville, as well as the mail scare with some of our public officials. A lot of things to wrestle with today, and a lot of things in our minds then uh, causing us fear and unrest. As we wrestle with uh, this unspeakable tragedy in Pittsburgh as well as these others, it seems fitting that we turn to the book of Job, a place where our Jewish brothers and sisters have turned to for millennia in the face of loss, lament, and crisis. But it's also a book they've turned to for hope and also for perspective and how they might stand up and how we might stand up for one another and reach out together in love. I invite you now to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 42nd chapter of Job, beginning with the first verse. Then Job answered the Lord, I know you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you declare to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Let's pause here. A reading is appropriate today as we celebrate and and remember Reformation Sunday. Humility was an important aspect of the Reformation. To Martin Luther and John Calvin, humility was even at the heart of faith, because it is only by the grace of God that we are saved. It's not something we do, it's not something we earn, it's not even something we particularly deserve. Humility, then, is a check. It's a check on our faith journeys to make sure we don't get too full of ourselves, but also of our ability uh, to live as God's people on our own. We need intervention. We need Christ. This seems to be a good way to wade, wade into Job's response to God in the whirlwind. Job begins his response by what folks in the counseling world might call active listening. 
It's something I practice with every couple I meet with during premarital counseling as a communication tool for their marriage and relationship. For those of you who've never heard of it, active listening is, is basically when you repeat back uh, what someone has told you. And it's a way of showing someone that you have heard them. Usually this comes in the form of what I heard you say is, and then you go on to reiterate something they said. It's a simple gesture, but it's one that can make a big difference in communication and relationships. In our reading, Job humbly echoes back key parts of God's speech in the whirlwind, showing that he heard, but also that he understands what's at stake here. He says, I know you can do all things. Nothing can thwart your plans. Who hides counsel without understanding? I have uttered what I did not understand and what I cannot possibly know. Then we come to the focal point of his response, verses 5 and 6. He says, I have heard of you, but now I see you. In other words, this experience is a game changer. It has challenged everything I thought I knew about you in the most wonderful way possible. Here, Job seems to admit he is guilty of what so many still do, and if we're honest, all of us at times do. Job admits he's guilty of putting God in a box, trying to limit just how powerful, just how wonderful, just how loving our God is, saying God can do this but won't do that, saying God saves and blesses this people but not those. To go back to the theme of humility, this is another key idea of the Reformation, particularly with John Calvin, about remaining humble about the limits of how much we can understand about God. The God Job meets in the whirlwind cannot be bound by any human form or system of understanding. In other words, what Job admits is that God is God and I am not. But then we get to verse 6 which really is the so what moment of Job. Our Pew Bible translation reads as this, Therefore I despise myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. Let me just tell you that the Hebrew of this verse is an absolute mess. It's almost untranslatable, and perhaps that's the point, but I'm getting a little ahead of myself. The verb translated as despise or reject is ma'as in Hebrew, and it doesn't even have a direct object. So it's not clear what Job is saying he despises or rejects. Also, the other verb in this sentence, nahamti, can mean sorry or repent as it's translated here, but it can also mean to console or to find comfort. So there is a huge range of possibilities of what Job is saying here. And there's no clear, correct answer. Like I said, it's a mess. Scholar Gerald Jansen, I think, offers a a really good translation, and one that fits the context of this story much better. Here's how he translates verse 6. Therefore I retract my words... And I have changed my mind concerning dust and ashes. In other words, Job, through this whirlwind experience, has met a God who is greater than his mind can ever comprehend. Rather than ask why, Job has now found comfort. He's found comfort in being dust and ashes. 
the very things from which God created humanity in God's own image. Jansen reflects that here Job allows for us to become what he has, truly human, who God truly created us to be. To be dust in God's image is to enjoy but also be responsible for the order manifest in creation, Jansen says. Rather than quitting in shame and defeat, as our Pew Bible translation says, Job has accepted with open arms his place in the world, his place as a broken, finite human being, made from dust, but also made in God's image. And as Christians, we can also say, redeemed, redeemed by Christ's death and resurrection, that he and all of us might truly live as God's children. Job finds comfort in this identity, and his story invites us to do the same. The 19th century Polish rabbi Bunim wisely said in a midrash or commentary on the book of Job, he says this, a person should carry two stones in their pocket. On one should be inscribed, I am but dust and ashes. On the other, for my sake, the world was created. And the person should use each stone as they see fit. Let's see what happens next in Job's saga as we turn... uh, Turn back to the text, and as God turns uh, God's attention to speak to the friend, starting at verse 7. After the Lord had spoken these things to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now, therefore, take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you. For I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has done. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite went and did what the Lord had told them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. This is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. So just when we thought the whirlwind was over, God comes storming back. This time to talk to the friends. Scolding them for not properly speaking and talking about God. About God's justice and love. Now, I think God has a little bit of fun here with the friends. To their understanding of God, they deserve punishment. They've spoken incorrectly about God. Just as they said throughout the last 30-some chapters, is exactly what Job did. But this isn't the God who is revealed in the whirlwind. The God revealed is a God who shows grace, and this is exactly what God shows up to do. God shows grace to the friends. But God asked Job, to be the intermediary of this grace. Perhaps God does this for the purpose of reconciliation between Job and his friends, or maybe to show who is right about God, or more right about God, perhaps. Either way, what this shows us is that Job claiming his true humanity, claiming who he truly is, dust and ashes created in God's image, this true humanity isn't just for his enjoyment and peace. 
God gives Job a role in this new creation. God gives Job a role in helping redeem his friends, reconciling with them, saying one of my favorite lines in the entire book of Job, my servant Job will pray for you. Through his pain and suffering and his whirlwind experience, God says that Job is now able to care for his friends in a unique and powerful way. Psychologist Carl Jung calls this the wounded healer effect. It's the idea that caregivers, whether they're counselors or nurses or doctors, or you could even say pastors and so on, that these helping uh, profession folks, these caregivers, can be moved to care for others because of their own wounds and brokenness experienced. For the past four weeks, and those of you last year who sat through 12 weeks in my class on the book of Job, you all may have been wondering why on earth I like the book of Job so much. Well, this wounded healer idea, I think, helps shows why. When I was 11 years old, my dad died very unexpectedly from a heart attack. Like Job, I asked, why, God? And like Job, I heard a lot of bad answers. Like the well-intentioned family member telling me that God needed another angel. To which I thought, well, I think I need a dad a little more than the all-powerful God needs another angel. But here in this experience, I also felt the comfort of community. This is a time when my church really stepped up and cared for me and my family. And this Job experience for me became part of my journey to ministry. It became part of my call to reach out and care for others in Christ's name. Since today we're also recognizing breast cancer awareness as a congregation, I thought this idea seemed particularly appropriate. It's been so powerful for me in ministry to see churches care for one another in times of illness. And I've seen this particularly here in our congregation, where we care for one another when the bleak diagnosis of cancer is given. This is a time when a person can feel isolated and alone. It's a time when a person walks in Job's shoes. But what has been so powerful to me is seeing cancer survivors and their spouses accompany Job on this journey. From bringing meals to accompanying to chemo and radiation treatments to just plain reminding someone that they are not alone, that they are seen and heard and loved. This is the kind of care and love Job is able to share with his friends through prayer, through presence, through love. Through the whirlwind, Job may not have experienced the answers he was looking for, but what he got was so much better. He was able to be brought near to God. This broken relationship between him and God was restored. Next was the the restoration of his relationship with his friends. Job is reminded and comforted in his identity as dust and ashes created in God's image. He's comforted by this. Job shows us a path that frees us from control, of thinking everything has a rational explanation, and of placing our moral framework on the Almighty God. Job shows us that any answer to the age-old question, why do bad things happen to good people, any answer to this cannot be found in an esoteric or philosophical proof. Any understanding of this question can only be found in relationship, in one's relationship with God, but also in our relationships with one another, 
moving us to care for one another through our own wounds and brokenness. Renowned scholar Tom Long says, Job is the one who has learned to trust the God he loves and love the God he trusts. Friends, Job invites us to do the same, and may we do so together. May we remember our identity as dust and ashes, created in God's image, redeemed by Christ's love and sustained by the Holy Spirit. May we remember our call to stand alongside those in need, the Job's in our life, all as we await the coming of our Lord, who will indeed wipe away all tears, put an end to evil, hatred, violence, and will truly make all things new. May it be so.